So how many of you are excited about being here today? Amen. In the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. There's no better place. And while the pastor was, um, well, shared with us about this uh, upcoming 20, 21 days of fasting and prayer, I was thinking, what would it be the hardest thing, thing, uh, thing, sorry, for Canadians to fast? What do you think? What? Shopping? <laughs> I was thinking, what about coffee? Oh, yeah. Now I, I raise the bar, right? <laughs> I have a friend in the States who says that coffee is the Christian crack. Like, <laughs> some people can't live without it. Anyways, so I hope you had an excellent, blessed start to the year. Today is actually a very important day, first of all, because we are here in the house of the Lord. Today is the day of the Lord, the day that we set apart each week to worship Him and um, seek His face together in fellowship. So nice to be together. Amen. Would you turn to your neighbor, that neighbor that you really love, and say, it's great to be here with you? Okay? Now, would you turn to the other neighbor, that one that you barely, you know, like, <laughs> but you have to tolerate, and say, I love you in the name of Jesus. Amen? <laughs> it's so good to be here today and to listen to the word of the Lord. So we're about to start this 20, 21 days of fasting and prayer, and we firmly believe that the Holy Spirit is going to manifest greatly in these coming, coming days in our lives. Actually, the book, of, the book of Acts teaches us that the 120 disciples who were obedient to Jesus' command to wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit, specifically in the upper room, remember that story? They spent the following 10 days after the resurrection of the Lord in prayer and fasting, and they received the promise of the Holy Spirit that we're baptizing Him. What if in this next weeks you get a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit once more during these times of prayer and fasting? What if in this next weeks you receive the Holy Spirit in your life as you have never experienced, experienced Him before? What about that? Raise your expectations for these coming weeks. Amen? Even more, this event gave birth to the church. The disciples left that place filled with the Holy Spirit so they could be witnesses of Jesus and preach the gospel to everyone. Actually, Acts chapter 2 verse, 20, verse 47 tells us that in this way the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen? Amen? Are you here? The if we follow these instructions, if we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, if we ask for His presence once more in our lives, and, we, and if we commit ourselves and humble, and humble ourselves in fasting and prayer, He will respond and He will send His Spirit and His Spirit will bring those who will be saved through the preaching of the gospel and through the preaching of the gospel through your life and testimony. Amen? Amen? So we believe in this promise for our lives. And our congregation, and for that reason, we are willing to pay the price of seeking the Holy Spirit in prayer and fasting. If you remember the sermon from last Sunday, Pastor Roy shared with us the word that the Lord placed in his heart after praying at the, at the end of last year. And the word is discipleship. Would you say with me, discipleship? Discipulado. In Spanish, right? <laughs> Discipulado, discipleship. That's the key. That's the key for this year, amen? Discipleship. How many disciples are here in the house today? 
Raise your hand. Let me see, let me see you. Amen. The Lord is calling you. And He's asking you to follow Him. He's calling you by name. He knows you. He knows your story. He, know, he knows what you have been going through this past year. And you know what? Still, of all your mis- besides all those mistakes that, 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 that we, we commit daily, the Lord still wants us to follow Him. And that's love. He wants you to follow Him. And He wants, you to, use, he wants to use you for His glory. Even more, the Holy Spirit has already given us the strategy to make disciples, as the pastor shared with us last Sunday, through this 10-1-10 plan. How many of you remember that? 10-1-10. Amen? 10? Can you say with me 10? Let's do this. This row here, 10. This row here, 1. And here, 10. Now we go back. 10. Here, 1. And here, 10. Now we go in Spanish. 10. Very good. Uno. Diez. There we go. Ten, one, ten. Diez, uno, diez. And this plan will have fruit because it was conceived in the Spirit. So you will know more about it in the, very soon. Now, if we want to make disciples this year, we must first consider ourselves and become disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time to stop playing the Christian and transform our lives to be true disciples of Jesus. Amen? And walk His way. But the Bible teaches us clearly that being a disciple of Jesus Christ has a price. Hmm. Has a price to pay. There's a cost to pay. And in the path of the disciple, we will always find trials. Trials. This is why this morning I want to share with you three important Points that will help us understand the purpose of the, of the trials and how to overcome them through the help of the Spirit. Because you were created to be a mighty man and woman of God. Amen? You were not created to live in a failure. You were not created by the Almighty God uh, to fail, to, you know, to give up. You were created to overcome. And to thrive. Amen? The Lord created you. For His purposes. And He has put His Holy Spirit in your life. To bring success of his, to His plans. He, he wants to do great things in your life. So, point number one. If we want to be disciples of Jesus. How many of you will, will, will like this year to start the year saying, Lord, I want to be a true disciple. Amen? Come on, raise your hand and say, Lord, I will be a true disciple. Amen? I will not keep playing the Christian. I'll be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he paid the price on that cross for me. So I will be a true disciple. And I will follow him. And I will, and I will serve him daily this year. And I will seek his face every day. So point number one. The true disciple of Jesus faces trials in his life. That's a reality. How many of you, how many of you have faced trials this past year? Have you? Yeah, right? A lot, maybe. A lot. But that's life. So what will be the sign, I was wondering this week, what will be the sign or mark of a true disciple of Jesus? What will be the sign? Perhaps, perhaps most, of us, most of us think that discipleship is measured by the level of success that a person has. Or by his charisma, you know? 
to be a big shot. Or the personality, the ability. No, no, no. That's not the true mark or sign of a true disciple. Jesus taught us that his true disciples will be recognized by their fruits. John 15, 4-8 says this. And we all know that to produce fruit requires effort, perseverance, and patience. But above all, as Jesus said in John 12, 24, it is necessary, now listen to me, that the seed of or grain of wheat die. It is necessary that the seed of grain, sorry, that the seed or, yeah, the seed of grain or grain of wheat die. It is necessary for ourselves to die. We are that seed. And it's the time for ourselves at this very beginning of the year to die. Good news today, eh? (laughs) Amen. How many of you are excited about this? (laughs) Still excited? It is necessary that you and me take the decision of dying to ourselves. Look what Jesus said in John 12, 24. The ESV version translated like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Do you want to spend your life alone? Do you want to spend your Christian life not bringing any fruit, just coming by yourself to church, just sitting in the same chair every day, just singing to the same songs every day, just coming every Sunday or every other Sunday because there are other important things to do in my life too? Do you want to live that Christian life? Or you want to have fruit? You want, to, you want fruit? Okay. We need to work for that. Amen? Fruit. Jesus says, If the grain of wheat that falls into the earth doesn't die, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now look at this. Much Fruit. It is possible that if you keep living your Christian life, not denying yourself, just following your, your, the, the, the pleasures of your flesh sometimes, that's okay. And you will have maybe a little bit of fruit. But to have much fruit, that's what the Lord is going to, it's, that's what the Lord wants for us. He's going to come back and He's going to ask you. He's going to look at your eyes and He's going to say, What did you do with your life? What did you do with all the resources that I gave you? What did you do with your time? What did you do? What is the fruit? And He will not come and say, Well, Lord, uh, this is my fruit. It's just one person that I brought to your feet. Or, you know, Lord, you do, do you remember that I used to attend church? So What? So what? A lot of people attend church. To be a disciple means to give your whole life to Jesus every day. To die every day. If you die every day, if you deny yourself every day, you will bring to the Lord much fruit. In the gospel, Jesus clearly pointed out the fundamental requirement that a believer must fulfill in order to be his disciple. Now listen, the believer must embrace and carry his cross every day. That same cross that is there. You have a cross that have your name on it. And you have to carry it. You have to carry the cross every day. Jesus said it, not me. Not the pastor. Jesus said it. We need to carry our own cross. In other words, the true disciple must be willing to die to himself. Now let's read together Luke 9.23. It says... Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. Jesus never lowered the bar. He always 
put the high, raise the, the, the bar higher. So Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their, their cross daily and follow me. So it's a daily work. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Let's take a look at the context of these three verses. In the previous verse, Jesus Christ announced his future sufferings. He said he himself will be rejected by, by the religious leaders of Israel and that he will even die, but that on the third day he will rise again. In other words, Jesus was speaking to his disciples about the cross and this as a symbol of suffering and trials. Jesus went through trials. Even his life ended on trials. On a big trial, the cross. But he overcome the trial, leaving that tomb empty, that tomb empty. Amen? And my Jesus is alive. He's risen. And he's risen for you too. So then he told them in the verses that we read before that in order to be his disciple, the believer must come after him. In other words, the believer must let Jesus go before him and let him direct and control his life. What, what, this, what does this mean? It means that from today or starting today, you will let Jesus take the control of your whole life. You will not come to the Lord to pray, Lord, help me to get out of this financial stress. I don't know what to do with my finances. I have all this doubt. No, the Lord solves problems, but he doesn't want you to go into problems. If you follow him, you will not go in, into problems. You have to let him go first. So if you have to take a decision, what would you do? You will what? You will pray. You will not take the decision and then pray to, to receive the help of the Lord to get out of the bad consequences of your bad decisions. Amen? It's a, it's a game changer. You have to pray first and then do not do and then pray. Laura, I want to date this girl. She looks so beauty, so beautiful. I'll do it, Lord. Amen. If she sits in the same row that I sit every Sunday, I'll do it. That's your sign. And that girl come and she sit by, co- by coincidence, right, at the same row. And this guy does it and do the same. And then, then they, they start talking and then they start dating and then everything goes bad and wrong and they start having problems sexual problems or sexual relationships and and then he's like lord help me i don't know how to stop this and the lord is looking at him and saying why didn't you pray before start dating this girl amen i just bring this example something silly maybe but what about all all other decisions all those other decisions that we take daily And when we fail, we are there in our knees. Lord, help me. But we need to start every day in our knees and say, Lord, lead me. Guide me. And when you let the Lord lead your life and guide you, you will be a tool in the hands of the Lord to help others. You will not be all day asking, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. You will be, Lord, here I am to help others. Send me. Send me, use me to help others. So, 
Then we see this. In order to achieve this, the disciple must deny himself. That is, not live for himself, but for Jesus. The disciple we have will have stopped following the satisfaction of his pleasures, but he will have decided to live to satisfy the desires of his Lord. What's the purpose of your life? The purpose of your life is to worship God with your life. To satisfy the desires of the Lord for you. This is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Finally, the disciple of Jesus must take his own cross, his own trials and sufferings, and follow him. Many believers have not understood this, and therefore we see them trying to follow Jesus without a cross to bear. So they are okay with following Jesus when everything in their lives is well. But when the trial comes or it is time to deny oneself, they decide to turn back as the crowds of disciples of John 6 did. And this is a tragedy. Look at these verses in John 6. John 6, 60 and verse 66. It says in verse 60, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Maybe you have the same thought this morning. <laughs> this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And Jesus was, in that context, he was speaking about himself. And he was saying, if you don't eat my flesh and if you don't drink my blood, you are not worthy of me. In, in other words, just go. You have to deny yourself. I need to be the center of your life. And then in verse 60, we read that many of his disciples, many, Jesus had, Jesus had multitudes following him, multitudes. But many of his disciples, one day after hearing this sermon, they decided to leave. Look at verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back. At who? At Jesus. Turned back at Jesus. And no longer follow him. Now take a look at this. This is John 6, 6, 6. Amen? <laughs> you know the number? <laughs> John 6, 6, 6. This is what the devil is after. He wants this for you. He, the devil wants you to stop following Jesus. And the devil wants you to turn your back on Jesus. That's his plan. That's what he lives for. That's his business. His business is not just, well, let's keep the world in my hands. His business is to take people from the church and, and take them back to the world. That's why you need to fast and pray. That's, what, that's why you need to, to have a personal relationship with the Lord. A personal connection with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to dwell in you. Needs to move you. Needs to guide your steps. In Luke 9, Jesus warns that the only way to salvation is to invest your life. To give your life entirely to the Lord. That's the only way to be saved. For you giving your whole life to the Lord. Verse 25 of Luke 9 reveals to us the great tragedy of mankind. Look at this. To want to gain the world. In other words, to conquer it, to satisfy all the pleasures of this flesh. To have succeed, to have money, to have houses, cars. Everything that, that the world wants. 
try to conquer the world, to have fame. Many people run after this. But this is the tragedy, to want to gain the world at the cost of losing the life of the Spirit. So let me ask you this, this morning. What are you going to gain this year? What's going to be your purpose? Your goal? What do you want to gain this, this year? And what are you willing to lose? You will have to sacrifice some things for the Lord. You will have to sacrifice time. You will have to take tough decisions to follow Him. And to, to, to serve Him and to be obedient to Him. Are you going to choose the world? Or are you going to choose the life of the Spirit? What's going to be? In the point number two that I want to share with you this morning, I call it like this. The true disciple of Jesus understands the purpose of trials. Everyone in this place has something in common. Amen? You know that? We have all passed, or we are passing, or we will pass through trials. Everyone. Just raise your hands if you didn't have any problem this this past year. <laughs> any trial. Everything was good. Everything ran smoothly with your life. No, right? We all have to face trials or problems. Perhaps in 2016 you went through very difficult times. And probably many of them were even unexpected. Those are the worst ones, right? Those unexpected ones. That phone call from the doctor or that phone call from the bank. Maybe things were not as you want them to be. Perhaps you faced illness, struggled with loneliness, discouragement, doubt, unbelief. Maybe you got anger at God or the church. And perhaps you had difficulties with your wife or husband, children, parents, bosses, employees. Maybe you struggled with your finances or economy. Now there's a big difference between how Christians and the people who don't know Jesus call to these circumstances. Now listen closely. The world simply calls them problems, while Christians call them trials. The world considers problems as stones that have crossed their way. Christians regard trials as challenges and opportunities to grow. The unbelievers get discouraged and their, their will decays when they cannot solve a problem. On the other hand, we Christians, if we cannot find a solution to a trial through faith, we overcome it and continue to advance. So to understand the purpose of trials, we're going to study together this morning the first four verses of James 1. And here we see James. James was the blood brother of Jesus. Do you know that? Jesus had brothers. Yeah, Mary had more children. Okay? It's a reality. The Bible said it. Jesus had actually four male brothers and many sisters. And here we see James. G James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And in verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, it says this. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Here is James writing to the Christians who had had to flee from the persecution that had been unleashed in Jerusalem, as the book of Acts chapter 8 tells us. They have to flee, they have to leave their country. 
They have to leave the, their families. These brothers and sisters were going through a lot of trials. You and I sometimes, we, we, we ask for prayer and we say, Pastor, could you pray for me because I'm going, I'm going through a big trial. Yeah, what is the trial? My, my, my microwave is broken, Pastor. I don't know how to cook anymore. <laughs> how am I going to do it now? <laughs> Fast, says the pastor. <laughs> oh, the coffee maker is broken. What about that one? <laughs> That's worse. But look at these brothers and sisters. They will be persecuted. They have to flee their countries. Megan started working in a school, and she had a lot of students from Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan. And it's hard for them, really hard to adapt to the country. And we don't blame them. They have to flee their countries. So look at these brothers and sisters. They were going through real, real trials. They have to leave behind family, possessions, professions, all because of the gospel of Jesus. Because they had understood that a true disciple places him first in his life. First is Jesus. Everything else is secondary. And James writes to his sheep and says, Brothers, despite the various trials that are living, have joy. Can you say with me, have joy? Can you say this to your neighbor? Have joy, brother. Have joy, sister. Ten gozo, mi hermano, en esta mañana. I didn't speak in tongues. That was Spanish. Have joy. Have joy. Doesn't matter the trial that you're going through. Have joy. Have joy. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. Today I can stand in front of my trial, my problem. And I said, you know what problem? I will have joy. Doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you are facing. You have the power to say, I will stand and I will say I have joy. Because my joy is in the Lord. So how can a person still have joy after having to flee his country and leave his family behind? This is crazy. It seems very illogical. So what is the secret of fi- to finding joy in the midst of trials? The answer of James is to understand that trials are not an end. Brother, sister, life continues. Just carry on. It's not an end. Okay? It's not an end. It's just a mean that the Lord uses. And that through trials we are being shaped according to the image of the Lord Jesus. So the purpose of trials is to help us become like Jesus more and more. Amen? Less of us, more of Him. 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 And how God has to do this? Through trials. Because this flesh... That's an ego inside. Ego inside. There's pride. So we need to humble ourselves. And sometimes the Lord has to use trials to humble ourselves before His presence. In its original Greek, the word trial comes from the word used to explain the process of purification of gold or silver carried by a silversmith to get the best of the raw metal. The silversmith used to take the metal and put it in a large pot over the fire, causing it to boil so that the impurities of the same appeared on the surface and can thus be removed. The silversmith used to follow this process over and over and over again until he achieved the highest degree of purity in the metal. 
Let me tell you, the silversmith of your life is God Himself. And sometimes He will put us, He will put us in that pot. And He will let us go to trials. But you know what? To purify our faith. So all the other impurities of, of, of our life. This sense of being independent. I don't need a church. I don't need a pastor. I don't need a leader. I don't need even God. I can do it myself. Have you listened to people like that? Yeah? There are many. So what happened with that people? Well, the Lord has to, to put them into trials. Because that pride has to go down. Has to, have to disappear. And the only way is through trials. Trials humble ourselves. Purify our faith. Even more, in, the, in verse 4, James points out that the trial process will be over. This is good news. It is not forever. Okay? God didn't create you to suffer. Amen? Amen? How many of you agree with me? Amen? And say, thank you, Lord, for that. <laughs> Amen? Thank you. We were not created to suffer. But the Bible shows us that suffering is part of the experience. And even in the, in the midst of suffering or trials, we, we can have joy. So the trial that you're going through will not last forever. It has an ex- expiration date. Amen? will not last forever. It has an expiration date. And you say, well, how can you say that, Roger? There are examples in the Bible? Yeah, tons of them. Look, Daniel. Daniel stayed in the lion's den just for a short time. And God rescued him, showing that he is the only God. The, true, the three Jewish boys who were thrown to the furnace, remember? God showed again that he is the true God. The people of Israel who stayed in the desert for 40 years. But one day, they finally stood on the promised land. Even Jesus didn't stay in the the tomb for a long time. His trial had an expiration day of three days. So your trial has an expiration day. I don't know how long it will be, but it has an expiration day. And the Lord will bring the victory. The Lord will open that that tomb for you. Amen? And you will be... And, and, and he will call your name. He will say, son, daughter, come up. Come up. Be alive in the spirit. Now, look at this. Because you were not created to fail or just to survive. God created, created you to show his glory through your trials and make you try. I mean, you were not created to fail. You were not created to just merely survive, survive this life. You were created to have success, try. But to have a victory, you must first have what? A battle, a war. So maybe we will have many battles, but you know what? That means that we will have many what? Victories. Amen? It will be a year of many, many victories for your life and family. Amen? So you were not created to fail. You were not created to do what? To be destroyed. You were not created for that. You were created to thrive. The result of the fruit of trial, says James, says, perseverance or patience. Because we need patience to reach the promises of God. Perfection or integrity. It means that the Lord is working in ourselves. It's working in, in, in our lives. It's working in our faith and fidelity to God. And, he, and the, the trials also, also brings and produces in our lives maturity. The true disciple of Jesus grows every day in his relationship with God. He grows in his walk with the Holy Spirit. He grows in holiness and obedience. The way God works our growth is through trials. Now, the questions that I have is, what about the enemy in all this? What is the devil while we are going through trials? What does Satan want to take from you during your times 
of trials. Well, first of all, we must know that just as the devil was present in Jesus' temptation or trial in Luke 4, he's also present in our own trials. You know that? He is present too. James exhorted the believers who were being distressed and suffered persecution to guard, care for, defend, and retain what? Their joy. Their joy. Because it is precisely in times of trials when the enemy wants to steal your joy. And let me explain to you this. Watch this. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I invite you to write this down in your, in your house, put it in a, in a piece of paper, and put it in your fridge. Do not grieve. You will not spend one day this year in grief. You will raise up. And you will say, I will not grieve, but I will enjoy the presence of God. I will have joy, the joy of the Lord, because the joy of the Lord is my strength. A person without joy is spiritually it's a spiritually weak person. Joy is not simple happiness, but something deeper. It's an internal feeling or, mo- or mo- motivation. It is a spiritual force, just like faith is. Joy is the ability to have tranquility and conf- confidence during the times of trial. Now notice that Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the Spanish version it says, Fortaleza, your power. Pretty similar. You know, to have the ability to do something means to have fuerza. Power. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, what is also the strength of your life? The strength of your life is your praise to God. So number one, joy. Number two, praise. Take a look at Psalm A2. Psalm A2. It says, Through the praise of children, said David, and infants, you have established a stronghold. I saw a little girl dancing here in the middle today. I don't know if it was your daughter. Awesome dancer. Yeah? Awesome. You know what the Bible said about her? That her dancing, her praise, is a stronghold. It's a stronghold for you and your family. Amen? It is true or no? It is a stronghold. And look at this. It's, it is a stronghold against your enemies to silence the, the foe and the avenger. The praise, praising God, it's our stronghold. Now, during his ministry, Jesus brought the revelation of this passage when he teach, when, sorry, when he taught in Matthew 21, 16, he says, Do you hear what these children are saying? They, they were the Pharisees, like always, you know, saying, Jesus, calm down the, the crowds. They are making too much noise. <laughs> I imagine the, the Pharisees, you know, they didn't like noise. How many of you like noise? Amen? How many of you like noise? Woo! Amen? Woo! We let in, we are loud. Sometimes at home, Megan is like, Roger, please, speak a little bit quiet. Quiet. But we are loud. We speak loud. You know, it's easy to identify us. We are loud. So, Jesus said, Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read... From the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called for your praise. The, the ASV version translated is, tra- translated it as, you have perfected praise. So, looking at both verses and relating them, we can understand that the strength or stronghold of our life is our praise to God. 
So I have here, I need four volunteers to the front, please. Who will come? Come on, don't be shy. What if I tell you that the Lord will bless you greatly if you come? Amen? <laughs> Number one. Oh, very good. Who else? Oh, awesome. So, man, you will be joy this morning, okay? okay. That's a good male name, joy. <laughs> Chuck? Uh, Chuck will be strength. Carlo, Carlitos, come here, please. Now, Psalm 8.2 says that, Nehemiah says that, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Okay? It's our strength. But Psalm 8.2 and Matthew 21.16 says that our strength is also praise. So there's two ways this year that you have, I mean, you have tools, you know, that the Lord have provided um, weapons for you to fight this war. And those weapons are joy, and those weapons are praise. Combine, they're together, you behind Chuck's, and you joy behind Chuck's too. Chuck's go to the front. There you go. Very good. That's a good idea. Awesome. There you go. Joy and praise equals strength. Joy plus praise, strength. Joy plus praise, strength. Joy plus praise, strength. Gozo más alabanza, fortaleza. Gozo más alabanza, fortaleza. Gozo más alabanza, fortaleza. I can go fast there, see? <laughs> but the question is, what happened with our, with our trials? I mean, we are going through trials and, well, the, the, the devil wants to come and take away first your joy. That's the first thing, right? Because you know what? If he takes his, your joy... He will take also what? He'll praise. You're here with me today? Amen? You're catching this? If he takes your joy, he will take what? He'll praise. Then you will come to church. And because you don't have the joy, you will be like, Forever God is faithful. Ah, forever. Ah, forget it. I'm going to sit. Ah, right? And what happened? Then you go out. And comes a trial, and you're not strength, but you're weak. Amen? You're weak. Look at that. So weak. <laughs> come here. Come here, Chuck. Come here. Come here. I'm sorry, man. Come here. We have buddies. Okay? But if you keep your joy really high, and you keep your praise really high too, what will happen? You will have strength. It will be a stronghold in your life. Now, we, we can ask this. What is to praise God then? It's just singing a couple of fast-pacing songs. That's to praise? No. Hebrews 13.15 says that praise is the fruit that comes out of your lips when you confess the name of Jesus. 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 When you have joy... It will be easy for you to praise. And when you praise, you know what you would do? You will confess this name that is above our name. The name of Jesus Christ. And you will face this, the, the trials and you will face the problems. You will say, you know what? I come in the name of Jesus. And I have my victory. Because there is no other name like Jesus. You know what the Bible says about the name of Jesus? It says that Jesus, His name is above every name. The name that is above all principality and authority of the enemy. Ephesians 1.21 The name of Jesus is the name that is above all that is in heaven, on earth, and even in hell itself. Philippians 2.9.10 The name of Jesus. So when you are going through trials, what are you going to do? 
You're going to have? Come on. <laughs> Joy. What you going to have? Joy. There we go. What you going to do? Praise. Who are you going to praise? Jesus. What will happen with you? You will have what? Strength. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for helping me this morning. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't we give uh, an applause to the volunteers? Thank you. I'm concluding the message. Point three says, The true disciple of Jesus knows what to do in the midst of trials. We know what to do. Huh? Yes, we do know. You're going to trials? Doesn't matter. If you follow these steps, you will, do, you will know what to do. And you will find victory. First, we, we have learned in this sermon that we need to deny your, ourselves. We need to surrender before Jesus. Take up your cross and follow him. So if you're going through trials, question number one is, Lord, do I need to deny myself again? Do I, do I need to take my, my cross again? Maybe I lost it. Maybe I lost it. I will, I'm willing today to take it back. So recognize that there are things in your life that you cannot control and that you have to surrender to the Lord. Stop trying to control everything. You can't control everything. You can't. Get out of the center of your life. Give Jesus the place. Reflect on the things that are overwhelming you and in the light of your walk with Jesus. Ask yourself these questions. Are they really important? I mean, the, the, the microwave is broken or the coffee maker is broken. Is that really important to be angry at God and stop coming to church? When you feel the weight of trials, go to your room. Be alone with the Lord. Don't go directly to Facebook. Hello, world. I feel blue today. <laughs> How you feeling, says Facebook? Oh, depressed. <laughs> And everybody knows that. Come on, you're a Christian. The first thing you have to do is go to your room and start fighting that, that, the situation in prayer and fasting. And through the scripture, through the word. Go to your room, be along with the Lord and pray and read the word. Spend time along with Jesus. Recognize that the greatest need of your life is to know God more and more. That's your greatest need. Not that, that thing that is broken at home. Not that you, are, that you are needing a car and you don't have it right now. No, your greatest need in life is God. Amen. And only Him. That's your greatest need. Also, a true disciple of Jesus does not walk alone in life. Partner with other disciples who know Jesus. And this is the best place to do this. Find someone here. We are brothers and sisters. Let's partner together, share time with them, pray with them, share a meal with them, and live your life in community. Secondly, understand and acknowledge that trials are making you grow. You have to believe this. This trial is making you grow. The trials that you're going through are not for your destruction, listen to me, are for your promotion. They're not for your destruction, they are for your promotion. For that, ask God for wisdom to understand your reality with his eyes. As James says in verse 5 of chapter 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Look at the context, speaking about trials. Number two, don't look, don't look only at what is missing or what is not working. Recognize everything that God has already done and is doing in your life. Remember that joy and gratitude are two very important factors for your victory. Have joy 
and give thanks to the Lord. Ask God to reveal to you what He wants to do with your life and where He wants to take you. And finally, guard and defend your joy. Keep a, keep a life of praise and worship. Don't let anything or anyone steal your joy. Listen to me. Don't let anyone or anyone, anything or anyone steal your joy. No dejes que nadie, nada te robe el gozo. Keep it to yourself. It's yours. It's your joy. Nobody will take it from me. Nobody. Don't associate with pessimistic people or with people that when they talk to you, they, they only leave you a lot of problems, bitterness, and resentment. No, no, no. Don't spend time with them. Pray for them. Show, show them the way to Jesus and share with them your joy. But do not let them um, be an obstacle in your joy or to your joy. Partner with people of faith and joy. Renew your expectations every day. Pray with faith and no doubt. Guard your words. Listen, don't gossip, don't criticize, and don't speak ill of anyone or even of yourself. Bless and do not curse. Confess, finally, confess the name of Jesus. Above all circumstances and trials that you may go through in your life. Are you ready to do all this? Starting from today? Amen? Amen? Would you go home and put this message, this sermon, into practice? Would you do it? Amen? So when you face trials, what are you going to do? You're going to have? You're going to? And as a result, what you will get? Strength. And you're going to confess what name? Amen. You got it then. Amen. Cuando tienes problemas, mantén tu gozo. Have your joy. It's your joy. Alaba a Dios. Praise God. And confiesa el nombre de Jesús. Confiesa su nombre. Confess his name. Jesus Christ. Amen. So what if we finish this time praying? Would you bow down your head? Let's, let's see his face. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we want to see many miracles this year. Lord, we want to see your face every day. Lord, we want to be moved by your holy presence. We want to be led by you, Holy Spirit. And as we start these next weeks of fasting and prayer, we pray, Lord, that we will be able to put into action these principles, these uh, spiritual principles. And when we face uh, tri trials this year, we will remember this word. And Lord, we will keep and guard our joy. And Lord, we will confess your name and we will praise your name. Lord, we invite you now to our hearts one more time. Holy Spirit, come. Why don't you tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you. I need you one more time. I need you. I need your presence in my life. I need your presence in my family. Help me to overcome any trial in the name of Jesus Christ. And confess the name of Jesus Christ above any circumstance, problem, situation in my life. Because there's no other name than the name of Jesus Christ. And before that name, every knee has to bow down and every tongue have, have, shall, shall confess that name, the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you bless us as we start this year. That we will have a year of great victories. Lord, that we will see great things from you in our life's family and congregation. And Lord, we thank you for this word. Help us to put it, to put it into action. We pray, Lord, 
now in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you help us to be shaped more and more like you. Today we take the decision to be true followers, true disciples of Jesus Christ. So if today you have taken that decision, confess it with your mouth and say, Lord, I'm your disciple. I'm your disciple. Lead me. Take me. Take me to whatever you want to send me, Lord. Do in my life what you want to do. I give you the center of my life. I give you my heart once more. And Lord, when I go through trials, I will look, I will look at the heavens and I will confess your name. And you will bring to my life your victory. Lord, we bless you. And I declare today over, over your life that you will see his face every day. That you will get out of bed every day and you will receive the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your family and upon your life. Because the Holy Spirit will dwell in you and will come with you. You will leave this place, this sanctuary, but you will go to your, to your house and you will still feel the presence of the Lord among you. The Lord will have His place in your life, in, in your marriage, in your family, with your children. And I bless you and I declare that this year you will see great miracles. That this year will be a year of great victories. Even though we may face trials... You will remember this word. This word now will, will come to your spirit every time that you're facing trials. And you will not let anything or anyone take away your joy. Because the Lord is with you. I bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.